Live from the WLIWFM studio in Southampton, New York, on Monday, August 28, 2023, I'm Gianna Volpe. More than half of New York's registered voters believe the state is headed in the wrong direction, and 80 percent are demanding term limits for the governor and legislators. A new poll shows Carl Campagnol and Jorge Fitzgibbon report in the New York Post that the fed-up respondents gave Governor Kathy Hochul a dismal 40% approval rating, a big drop from her 50% figure from a survey released just three months ago, according to the independent Unite New York's Voter Empowerment Index unveiled yesterday. Other state lawmakers fared even worse with a 27% approval rating, down from their recent 36%. Overall, 53% of the state's voters said they don't like where the state is heading politically, and 40% said they're considering leaving. In other news, unsuspecting New York drivers are being hit by an automatic hike in their vehicle insurance bill to pay for supplemental spousal liability insurance, even if they're single and won't benefit from the coverage, lawmakers and insurance industry experts said. Tiffany Cusack-Smith reporting on Newsday.com that a state law signed by Governor Kathy Hochul and backed by a trial attorney group automatically adds the coverage unless drivers opt out in writing. The law went into effect August 1st and will apply to policies issued, renewed, or modified after that date. Previously, insurers had to provide the coverage when the policyholder requested it. Premiums typically range between $20 and $84 per year for the coverage based on several factors, though it usually is uh, 5% of the bodily injury premium, according to the New York State Department of Financial Services. The additional insurance covers what representatives say is a narrow set of circumstances, such as when an injured person might sue their spouse for negligent driving to get damages for pain and suffering. Insurance industry experts and some lawmakers who oppose the bill express dismay, saying the additional coverage and costs may go unnoticed by consumers who get no benefit. Quote, millions of New Yorkers who would not benefit from the coverage will have to take steps to provide a written declination of the coverage or otherwise be charged the premium for such coverage, which is of no use to them. Christina Baldwin, vice president of the trade organization American Property Casualty Insurance Association said in a statement, she said there's no reason why an insured driver should have to decline this coverage in a separate written document. Baldwin added she's particularly concerned about the law's application to people who are not married and businesses. Here on the East End, the eyes of the equestrian world are on Bridgehampton this week as some of the nation's best riders and horses compete in what has become an annual rite of summer on Suffolk's East End. Hampton Classic Horse Show. Robert Brodsky reporting on Newsday.com that the 47th annual event, which opened yesterday, has transformed in recent years into one of the largest outdoor horse shows in the United States, attracting an estimated 50,000 people for the week-long event, featuring more than 200 competitions and a who's who of A-list celebrities from Billy Joel, Brooke Shields and Jimmy Fallon, Jennifer Lopez and Ashley and Mary-Kate Olsen. Quote, the Hempton Classic is really a fixture on the horse show calendar for the top riders in the country, not the world. That quote from Shanette Cohen, executive director of the event. We attract a lot of professional competitors, but the vast majority of people who compete here are amateurs, both adults and children. The Classic, which is held at the 60-acre Bridgehampton Showgrounds, 
will play host this year to hunter, jumper, and equitation classes in six show rings with the athletes Human and Equine vying for more than a million dollars in prize money. At least seven Olympic veterans, including five-time U.S. Olympian and seven-time Hampton Classic Grand Prix winner McLean Ward, are expected to compete in this year's event. In addition to the riding, the Classic features more than 75 vendors, international food options, an annual adoption day for rescued dogs, cats, and horses, pony rides, and petting zoo animals for children. And finally, a long-anticipated auction of 14 acres of former United States Coast Guard housing located off Stewart Avenue in West Hampton was rescheduled again this week from August 21st to September 6th. But now officials say the auction may not be necessary at all if a town of Southampton-led plan to acquire the property is approved by the General Services Administration. Tom Gagola reporting on 27East.com that the town and GSA have put a pause on the public sale. According to GSA spokesperson Paul Hughes, quote, to provide an opportunity for the town to formalize their interest in acquiring the property. The town has assembled a multi-party group that is trying to put together a package that would be accepted by the Coast Guard. That quote from Southampton Town Supervisor Jay Schneiderman. Opening bids for the property were to start at $5 million. Schneiderman said he has asked for an assist from New York State Governor Kathy Hochul and U.S. Representative Nick LaLoda and said and that there were uh, there was potential for Suffolk County, the state and local government to put together a package to make it affordable. Reading the weather in Stony Brook in honor of Dr. Anthony Anzalone, uh, who's going to be joining us to follow up on a uh, talk I did Friday night um, at Shelter Island Library with Dr. Nick Carderis. Uh, Dr. Anthony Anzalone and I will be talking about recommendations for adolescent social media use uh, by the American Psychological Association. Looking like a mostly cloudy Monday with a high near 76 degrees. Southeast wind around 8 miles per hour. Tonight, a 40% chance of showers after 2 a.m. Mostly cloudy otherwise with a low around 66 degrees. East wind around 7 miles per hour. Right now, it's 69 degrees. I uh, planned a nothing edition this morning all uh, all around one that I've heard. Um, it sounds like it's... It's playing. It's it's in the rotation from the last dinner party. Nothing matters. Uh, so we'll hear that a little later this morning. We might even hear Metallica's Nothing Else Matters after Paul McCartney's Nothing for Free. But first, who do we have? Um, Bruno Mars, Two Runner, Watch House, our very own Annie Trezza, Maroon 5 and Bachman Turner Overdrive before Sam Cooke and Elliot Smith. But first, a little love here on Long Island's only Local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, news you can trust, music you love. I saw the 
Nice half-century jump forward in time between Love's Nothing and Bruno Majors. some red wine, movies for two. We'll take off our phones and we'll turn off our shoes. We'll play Nintendo, though I always lose. Cause you watch the TV while I'm watching you. There's not many people I'd honestly say I don't mind losing too But there's nothing like doing nothing with you 
dumb conversation We lose track of time Have I told you lately I'm grateful you're mine We'll watch the notebook For the seventeenth time I'll say it's stupid Then you'll catch me crying We're not making out on the boat In the rain Or in a house I painted blue But there's nothing Like doing nothing With you So shut all the windows And lock all the doors We're not looking for no one Don't need nothing more You'll bite my lip and I'll want you more Until we end up in the heap on the floor You could be dancing on tabletops Wearing high heels Drinking until the world spins like a wheel But tonight your apartment has so much of you Who needs stars? We've got a roof And there's nothing like doing nothing with you No, there's nothing like doing nothing It's the nothing edition of the Heart Morning and Midnight Show on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, from Bruno Major to Two Runner. You're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station. I picked you out of the big crowd. You had my favorite name I guess we liked the same Said songs on replay today I know you must be going Here's my
From Two Runner to Watch House, you get a little bit of it all here on Long Island's only NPR radio station. WLI, WFM, news you can trust, music you love. How long, how long must I run Before my shadows have left my side Till my eyes can no longer lie as they do But no, how soon, how soon will you fly Following uh, not only the conversation I had with Dr. Nicholas Cardaris on his book Digital Madness on the air last week, but also uh, at the event on Friday night with Shelter Island Libraries, you won't be surprised at all to learn the American Psychological Association issued a health advisory on social media use for adolescents and released 10 recommendations for adolescents 
use of social media. Joining us during the Medical Monday segment, underwritten uh, by Jennifer Benton, is Dr. Anthony Anzalone, clinical psychologist at Stony Brook Medicine, passionate about discussing healthy social media practices. Super important stuff, especially right here in 2023. Good morning, Dr. A. Thank you for being with us. Good morning, Gianna. Thank you so much for having me on. I would love to start by talking about, uh, you know, the recommendations that we've gotten by the association. Uh, It's no surprise here, especially uh, hearing about uh, the decline in both uh, mental and physical markers, or or rather the rise of of things like uh, adolescent diabetes or uh, anxiety, depression in the past, uh, what, decade or more? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, at least the past decade. I know for me that that APA health advisory was kind of a finally sort of moment that these right. recommendations are long overdue for a problem that that's been simmering for quite some time. Right. Absolutely. So what what kind of stuff is the APA uh, saying as far as uh, there's no really putting the genie back in the bottle, but uh, <laughs> sort of uh, taking the edge off of uh, these issues? Yeah, uh, absolutely. That, that That's a, a great question. I mean, I think the first thing that I like is that, that the, the preamble, so to speak, really begins with recognizing that that social media, Internet use isn't necessarily in, isn't inherently a bad thing for, for children's lives, but it's really dependent on, uh, you know, teens own personal and psychological characteristics and the social sort of circumstances that really constitute unhealthy and healthy use. Um, really, what I, what I like uh, about the, the recommendations is it really has this all hands on deck kind of approach of saying that we really need everyone from from the bottom to the top of families, educators, uh, you know, go- government officials, tech companies to really work together to right. uh, create kind of a viable plan to teach children to be a little bit more socially literate. Right. Right. You know, I, I'm interested to hear about some of, you know, the class action lawsuits and legislation being planned, especially uh, sort of curbing the the dangerousness of the algorithm itself and how it works. Um, I, I, I feel like limiting screen time in some way, um, especially at a clip, uh, might be an important part of this, is it? Because, you know, the way that the... Uh, algorithm works and the extremification loop, it seems like, uh, and the way that the brain works, it seems like stopping uh, what's going on, the neurochemistry, um, at least in bursts, must be an important piece to this. Oh, absolutely. When you when you think about how frictionless uh, the internet is, right, that that, that imagine going to a slot machine that, that, that keeps on paying out and the, the impact on the brain. Uh, you know, I always like to say that, that we have children and adolescents who, who understand technology at such a breakneck speed, uh, yet it, it, we have this advanced technology that, that, that's targeting the most primitive parts of our brain that are in charge of habits, habit formation, uh, so, you know, addiction is addiction. Behavioral addiction is addiction. So when you have a developing brain and you're being exposed to, to all this 
uh, as I like to put it, uh, kind of cheap dopamine, right. uh, you can understand how difficult it is for, for children to stop. It's almost, it kind of reminds me of the old uh, adage that, you know, good food isn't fast, fast food isn't good, that you have these uh, apps and, and, like you said, these algorithms that keep people, uh, keep children and people constantly consuming, and it makes it very difficult to uh, to, to transition to other activities. And the, and the, I think that what's most interesting is not only is it giving you this cheap dopamine, but the more that you are paying out, the more you're scrolling, the less able uh, your brain is to stop because you're breaking the brake system as you're scrolling. Yeah, and, and if you think about that, uh, Gianna, even in certain uh, populations, say the children with ADHD, we know right. that for them it's especially uh, difficult stopping. We know that there's problems with dopamine. So when you, you have something like this endless scrolling or endless videos or playing seem, seamlessly going into the next video, it's extremely difficult uh, for them to, to stop. So uh, we know that, that it's, it's going to impact uh, different areas of the game, uh, the brain, such as so it's GABA um, neurotransmitters, which are in charge of behavioral kind of control. So it's really a problem that's, um, that we're seeing. It's, it's, it's in our face. It's what uh, parents are considering the number one problem with their children. Even as right. of last week, uh, ModPol showing that Internet use, social media use, Internet safety. This is the biggest problem in parents' lives. I'm not at all surprised. And, and uh, the impact on self-esteem, there, there's, uh, there's a time you know, where, oh, this is wonderful. You see people's lives and, and, oh, and people are posting all these happy, wonderful moments. But after a while, uh, that, that turns. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, how this is really affecting uh, not only young people, but everyone, uh, this sort of um, glorification of, of everyday life? Yeah, certainly. I, 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 I'm kind of reminded that not too long ago there was an article talking about that the Instagram filters that show you at your most beautiful. Uh, so you're going on social media and everyone seems to have their lives put together, which they don't. We all have our issues. So you're, you're seeing a kind of very skewed view of reality. Uh, so if, if you're dealing with your own problems and you're seeing everyone else is doing much better, it kind of compounds your belief, a lot of your own helpless, hopeless kind of viewpoints uh, about the world. And again, as you were saying about children and adults, especially I said with adolescence, if you have a filter that's showing you uh, what you'd look like in your most beautiful, and you're an adolescent, and adolescence is tough enough, uh, and, and you know you have this very shaky sense, sense of self, that's just going to again, exacerbate that anxiety and depression that you feel about yourself. And it, it kind of takes you out of being able uh, to kind of disconfirm those beliefs. Right. So that, that depression kind of becomes heavier and heavier on you. And it makes you less likely to want to do things that might disconfirm your belief that, you know, everyone's got, got things perfectly and that, that your life is hopeless and helpless and that you can engage in things that make you feel connected on a deeper level in the real world. And and the thing that's crazy is a lot of this deeper connection in the real world is making deeper connection in the real world. And because of uh, the amount of time that is spent online mm. versus the real world, there's less and less opportunities for that for kids. Uh, what are some of these recommendations that the APA uh, has issued as far as helping uh, adolescents with, you know, social media use? 
One thing I always like to, to point parents out to, and I know that the Surgeon General discussed it and the APA has discussed it as well, is the, the American uh, Pediatrics Association in 2016 uh, recommended something called the Family Digital Media Plan or the Family Media Plan. And for me, that, that has been such a great tool uh, for work with, with the parents uh, that I work with that have a lot of children uh, with internet, uh, say internet or gaming problems. And within that, that media plan, there's a lot of different categories. It's a great start to, to collaborate with uh, your children on what healthy and unhealthy is. So the family media plan goes into such topics as media balance, uh, screen-free zones, uh, choosing good content, using media together, uh, kindness and empathy, really talks a lot about modeling the behaviors you want to see with your children as well. Uh, I know that the, the APA stance is also that, that we should be working, as I said before, with everybody to create viable plans that really need to be uh, in all environments. I, I take a look at, say, South Korea, uh, which has national screening days. Um, they have uh, access to resources, school programming, national, you know, uh, identifying youth at risk. And that's really a, a pretty high mark that that's been set, that they, they've been dealing with this problem a lot earlier than us. So I'm hoping that we can adopt a lot of the same policies. And I see that a lot in the APA stance, that we want to make children more digitally literate. We want mm. them to teach them as early as possible to understand what healthy and unhealthy is. And we don't have that as of yet. So did, uh, screen-free zones, I'm thinking like the dinner table, uh, the actual bed, because I'm sure that this is having an effect on, on how not only kids sleep, but human beings of, of all ages uh, are sleeping, having uh, the smartphone uh, really in the bed with one where, you know, uh, we know that we should be uh, stopping screen time hours before we power down for the evening. Yeah, absolutely. You think about the dinner table, that, that old, almost seems like an old-fashioned notion of everyone sitting around the table and talking, and I think it's just easy to go on our devices, but it's so important to be able to engage your kids uh, in how their, their, day, uh, their day was. Uh, similarly, as you said, that, that we want bedrooms to be an area of rest. I mean, I remember breaking into the field hearing you shouldn't have TVs in your room, and that was a big no-no, and now we're talking about uh, cell phones. So we know that that having that proximity to self, your cell phone, it's just so easy to, to engage, uh, right? So there's, you know, you, you feel a sense of tension. You know, you're in your room, it's late at night, uh, you're having an anxious thought, and you go to your phone, and it's right there. Or you just want to connect with your friends because you don't want to miss out on anything. It's right there. So it makes us uh, very sensitized to dealing with our uncomfortable uh, feelings. So uh, as you put before, we have greater rates of, of uh, anxiety, depression, sleep is very much impaired. And once you're messing around with sleep, right. that, that's one of the cornerstones of mental health. So right. if you have a device that constantly you can go to, uh, it's going to impact sleep. It's going to impact your mood. And the other thing I like talking about is the sense that, you know, it, we really need to teach our kids to be bored. I wish that was in the APA recommendations that, um, you know, we live in a world where we never have to be bored. And as such, our sensitivity with boredom is, is razor thin. So we want to teach kids to make their reflex to engage in the world, engage in the environment, not that whenever they feel a sense of discomfort uh, or boredom to go straight 
uh, to their phones, which is why we see uh, even when children are doing the homework in their bedrooms, we can study, uh, correlate how their grades are going to be by how close their cell phones are to their desk. So to be able to have those moments where kids uh, are kind of forced to sit with their, their own thoughts, you know, come from the generation of driving down to Florida and having to, to deal with boredom or looking at billboards might have been the most important uh, thing that you did in the day or listen to the same cassette tape. Uh, but th there is not in this day and age. So we never have to deal with boredom. And as such, I think that that's a, a critical uh, skill Right. A lot of kids are missing. Well, it's, yeah. it, it also it's divorcing uh, us from our ability to be mindful, uh, to be, uh, you know, meditative, uh, to access that part of our, our really calming. If we're always, you know, seeking these adrenaline spikes uh, at every moment, um, as far as uh, the part you were talking about with schools, I heard. Shelter Island School is instituting uh, really what I think is a nice compromise because, you know, you have um, teachers who want to make the classroom phone free, right? But then parents pushing back, very scared because of the rise of, of, of school shootings and whatnot. Uh, they want to be able to know where their kid is. Uh, Shelter Island School has started a thing where the, the the teacher collects the phones, so the phones are in the classroom. If there is an emergency, you know, the, the students won't be able to get their phones, but they're not at the desks. Um, I wanted to ask about gap phones and about uh, the idea of, of delaying uh, access to social media and in your thoughts about that. Like, what, what is a gap phone? Do you know about these things? No, I'm actually un unaware about gap phones. I think <laughs> I think that they I think that the gist of it is their phones. So if you're able to you're able to um, play music, uh, call call mm. you make phone calls and text, uh, but they're not you know you're not able to you know go on social media or you know uh, go online. <laughs> Yeah, so kind of stripped down phones. That's interesting because I know that there was an app way back in the day that would bundle all all of your notifications for uh, a couple of times a day. So it was kind of that. Uh, uh, that oh, that's that ability fascinating. To, yeah, to outsource your willpower. I, I joke around that you know having a cell phone. It, it reminds me of like the the Greek myth of the sirens that you always have something tempting you. So. Uh, so technology can, can be a great thing. It could even be a great thing to prevent other technologies. So right. there are apps that, that can kind of curtail your uh, cell phone use. But having a gap phone, a phone that, that's just stripped down just for uh, essentials, uh, yeah, I would definitely be uh, all in favor of having something like that. It kind of, again, forces you to be a little bit more connected because we know that phones really can have an impact on you know what we call top-down and bottom-up processing, our top-down and sensory-driven kind of processing versus our bottom-up, which is our more sustained focus. So when you're trying to, to learn in class and something, you know, what what's really going to be more entertaining for a teenager, looking at a TikTok video or learning right. trigonometry? Um, you know, the real world's not as exciting as, as Fortnite and League of Legends and World of Warcraft. Right. So to be able to have them uh, engage in the real world, uh, that's what we need. So I definitely build in favor of, of gap phones and being able to collaborate, being able to, to work with parents and say, all right, well, I know you have these concerns. 
but what can we do that your children can get maximum education and it's going to help them in the long term versus your worry over the prospect that there could be a school shooting and you'd need to access your child. So collaboration is key, even when we're talking about family planning. um, You know, a lot of parents I work with just use very authoritarian kind of control strategies, and those don't work. We need to collaborate with children. We need them on our team. So when we're talking about coming up with solutions, you know, the biggest biggest person that needs to be at that party uh, are children. We need youth kind of telling us what's going on and educating them and then getting them to help us figure out how can we couple up with viable plans because we know control strategies don't work with children. Uh, so we really want to be able to collaborate on all levels. You know, I, with- I do want to. I want to say, no matter what age you are, turn off your notifications. Uh, I I don't I have <laughs> almost no app on my phone pushes notifications to me anytime I download a new one. It says, "Do you want to push notifications?" No. No, I don't. Uh, you know, you always have that handy dandy little bubble, and whenever you do look at your phone, that tells you, you know, what what app has something it, it wants to, to to give you uh, that you can access. But uh, nothing like seeing something pop up in the corner of your eye to take you away from whatever task you're trying to focus on. For me, I don't know about other people. I haven't. I have a difficult enough time with focus. Uh, I know we're going to, we're, we're, we're over time, but I love this topic. Love talking to you, Dr. Anzalone. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you want to make sure folks know as far as healthy uh, social media use and the APA recommendations that were recently issued? Oh, uh, a ton, but if I was just to keep it brief, I would just say really reinforcing having that collaborative strategies with your children, being able to look at the family digital media plan, uh, being able to uh, work with your children on, on, on what's healthy and unhealthy, teach them early, te- teach them often, make sure that especially at younger age, you're keeping them away from their screens for infancy and toddler because it's so connected. We know right. the literature shows that it's connected to developmental problems, language problems. So find, be proactive encourage them to invest in other activities yeah. that really promote a, a good sense of dopamine release. Read to your kids. I'm Jenna Read Volpe. Read to your kids. <laughs> I'm Jenna Volpe. That's Dr. Anthony Anzalone. This is Annie Trezza. And you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you just heard the Medical Monday segment underwritten by Jennifer Benton on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, news you can trust, music you love.
And Bachman Turner Overdrive on the Nothing Edition of the Heart here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. News you can trust, music you love. I'm good. 
Live from the WLIWFM studio in Southampton, New York, on Monday, August 28th, 2023. I'm Gianna Volpe. New York City Mayor Eric Adams got a boost from an unusual source at a posh Hamptons fundraiser over the weekend. Former President Donald Trump's short-lived communications director, Anthony Scaramucci. Carl Campanile and Ryan King reporting in the New York Times that Scaramucci, who famously survived fewer than 11 days as the Republican president's frontman with the media in 2017, was touted on a flyer as a co-host of the Tony two-hour Southampton reception Saturday supporting Adams. Scaramucci was joined by several New York area politicos at the Capri Hotel Southampton. The 59-year-old financier had been supportive of the Democratic mayor during the contentious 2021 New York City mayoral contest. Adams isn't up for re-election until 2025. Despite being an outspoken Republican, Scaramucci has a history of playing nice with Empire State Democrats. Scaramucci is currently backing Trump foe and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie in the 2024 GOP primary for president. In other news, over 100 first responders and other community members gathered in the Mattituck High School Auditorium Friday evening for a forum on mass shooting incidents. Fire training, Firehouse Training Plus, which coordinated both Saturday's mass casualty incident response training for first responders at the school and last year's training, pardon me, uh, and last year's training at Greenport High School organized the event, dubbed the Night of Survivors. The evening featured two civilians and three first responders who discussed events they experienced and their ensuing struggles. Nicholas Grasso reporting in the Suffolk Times that the evening began with Kevin Riley from the emergency training firm Command Logic 360, which partnered with Firehouse Training Plus for the Friday and Saturday events. He invited the speakers to share firsthand memories from the incidents in which they were involved. Uh, the details they offered ranged from the horrific to the heroic. Quote, sometimes people at will ask me, what the theater was like, said Mike Hawkins, a former police sergeant who responded to the 2012 movie theater shooting in Aurora, Colorado. What I liken it to is the movie Saving Private Ryan. It was like being a medic on, o on Omaha Beach. It was that level. And as first responders, you need to prepare yourselves for sights and sounds like that. By the time all five speakers had answered just the first question, approximately an hour had passed, during which audience members remained silently attentive. Among the messages speakers delivered were the need for first responders to work together quickly when such crises occur and the urgency to get EMTs on the scene once the shooter is neutralized to save as many lives as possible. What should local schools do in the aftermath of a traumatic mass shooting event? Mental health services and people in the community healing together are paramount. And finally, the eyes of the equestrian world are on Bridgehampton this week as some of the nation's best riders and horses compete in what has become an annual ride of the season on Suffolk's East End, the Hampton Classic Horse Show. Southampton Town Supervisor Jay Schneiderman said the Classic has become synonymous with summer's in the Hamptons, as quoted in Newsday, this event is iconic at this point, Schneiderman said. It's part of the Hamptons brand and experience. It's sort of 
culminates the summer season and it's a real celebration of our agricultural roots. The equestrian community out here is extremely large and an important part of the fabric of our local community. It's a world-class event. Reading the weather in Bridgeport in honor of the interview I'm hoping to have from there one of these days, looking like a mostly cloudy uh, Monday with a high near 75 degrees in Bridgeport, east wind around 8 miles per hour. Tonight, a 30% chance of showers after 2 a.m., mostly cloudy otherwise, with a low around 65 degrees, east wind around 6 miles per hour. Right now, it's 72 degrees, Flamingo Star, uh, James Taylor and Jackson Brown on deck, but first a, first a little Elliot Smith on the nothing edition of The Heart here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, 88.3 on the FM dial throughout eastern Long Island and coastal Connecticut, 96.9 in central and western Suffolk County, streaming online to wherever you may be at WLIW.org slash radio. Someone found the future as a statue in a fountain And attention looking backward in a pool of water Wishes with a blue songbird on his shoulder They keep singing over everything Everything means nothing to me Everything means nothing to me Everything means nothing to me song and found my picture in the paper the reflection in the water shouted iron man still trying to salute people from a time when he was everything he's supposed to be everything means nothing to me everything means nothing to me everything means nothing to me everything means nothing Everybody told me it would be all right. But nobody told me how sweet it is to fall in love. So I suffered. So I suffered. 
your chocolate. <laughs> or your soft pretzel. Uh, that was Flamingo Star. Nothing sweeter, the Mo Horizons Hippie Remix. I'm Jenna Volpe. This is James Taylor Jackson Brown on deck. You, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. I'm going to give you lots of music this hour. Um, we had a, I think uh, we lost the guest, right? And then I went to the wait list and everyone's busy and I'm all about it. So for this morning's Monday meditation, underwritten by Guild Hall, I'm hoping maybe you consider actually doing that. Taking some time to look inward and think your thoughts and just stay in one place for a minute. Imagine that. Put down your phone and just be with yourself. I'm Gianna Volpe. This is James Taylor. Again, you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to WLIWFM News. You can trust music you love. I have tried to forget about you and all the plans that we had planned. Yes, and I'm bound to leave this town. I don't care where I may land.
Jackson Brown bringing us into the nothing but section of the set list. Nothing but time. I, like to do a song I, n- I never played in public before. <laughs> said brand new songs. Um, we've got nothing so but the water. The second part, which I don't often play from uh, Grace Potter and the Nocturnals uh, title track to uh, their 2005 record. Talking Heads, Nothing But Flowers, and Frank Sinatra's Nothing But the Best. 
first, Gary Allen, nothing on but the radio from the 2002 record See If I Care, right here on the Nothing Edition of The Heart on WLIWFM. Sure do hope this is a long night Cause I've never felt one so right Each look into your eyes and falling A little more and more Looks like we started us a fire Wrapped up in flames of desire With every touch they're burning higher Two shadows dancing on the wall With nothing on but the radio Feel the music playing soft and slow You and me and the lights down low With nothing on but the radio Sleep here in the moonlight Entangled sheets will be here all night And when we wake up in the morning We might stay like this all day Two people meant to be together Two lovers dreaming of forever And it just keeps on getting Soft and slow You and me And the lights down low With nothing on But the radio Two people meant to be together Two lovers dreaming of forever And it just keeps on getting
Music from all decades and genres. It's just got to be awesome, that's all. I know I was, te I was teasing you with Metallica. Nothing else matters. It's going to be a secret track, so I can fit in some Amy Mann and Sam Cooke here on the Nothing edition of The Heart. Talking Heads and Chairman of the Board up next before that Looking for Nothing Amy Mann track. Stay with us here on The Heart, recorded live from the heart of the East End, the WLIWFM studio in Southampton, New York. Tom's Dairy Queens and 7-Eleven 
like a new Lincoln with all of its class. I like a martini and bird under glass. I'm gonna start living. You wait and see. Nothing but the best is good enough for me. I like to eat lobster directly from Maine. I like to see bullfights in sunny old Spain. I'm gonna start living. You wait and see. Nothing but the best is good enough for me. Tally ho, off we go. Who can wait another day? You and me out on a spree. Let's get started right away. We're gonna go traveling and have us a fling. We'll visit a palace and dine with a king. We're gonna start living. You wait and see. Nothing but the best is good enough for me. Started right away. We're gonna go traveling and have us a fling. We'll visit a palace and dine with a king. We're gonna start living. You just wait and see. Nothing but the best is good enough. understand exactly how you feel, Frank. I've got a nice single decade uh, hop forward in time. This is from Amy Mann's uh, Looking for Nothing from 2008. We'll bunny hop forward a single decade to Paul McCartney's Nothing for Free. And then one from the, uh, you know, the charts, I guess we'll say, uh, that I hear playing uh, on the station quite a bit. And I actually dig it quite a bit. Uh, It's the last dinner party's Nothing Matters. And then I'm going to bunny hop past Metallica's Nothing Else Matters. You can find that secret track uh, <clears throat> on the playlist on WLIW.org slash radio. Ella Jane, Nothing Else I Could Do. And Sam Cook's Nothing Can Change This Change This Love, leading you into the NPR news break at the top of the hour here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. to write. 
Putting him in my back pocket and as a secret track, Paul McCartney, The Last Dinner Party, and Ella Jane leading you into the NPR news break at the top of the hour. Talking to me. 
I'll be sick of it soon, but I still love it. That was the last dinner party. This is Ella Jane. From their 2020 record. This is not what it looks like. Nothing else I could do. If I have any time left after this, I'll give you a little Sam Cook. Lead you into the NPR news break. I waited up for your call. You never told me you would. But the way that you smiled was a promise, I swear. Fell asleep by the phone. I missed a message or two. Deleted them cause they were into I wrecked my house a hundred times Just to see you walk into a room But there was money in your life So babe, there's nothing else
Give a shout of thanks to Dr. Anthony Anzalone and Jennifer Benton, our guest and underwriter. If I go oh, as well as Guildhall. And Sam Cook. I'd write a letter and you. Each and every-